Good morning and welcome to another edition of Cross Faith Bible Ministries. Bible studies, we're going to continue on in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And today we'll be covering verses 18 through 29. And the title of today's lesson is The Authority of the Son. Reviewing from last week, or the last couple of weeks, should I say, if you remember, Jesus had just healed a man who had been lame for 38 years. And he did that by the pool of Bethesda, if you remember. And this man, he just wasn't physically healed, but we've seen in Scripture that he was also spiritually healed. Now remember, Jesus does miracles, and he does miracles to reveal revelation, right? To reveal kingdom truth, we can say. So Jesus, we see that he heals this man, but remember, the healing took place on the Sabbath. And according to the traditions of the elders, no one can do anything on the Sabbath. See, and that was a problem for the religious leaders, right? Now, remember, Jesus didn't break the law of Moses. He didn't break the, the commandments because the law stated that no one can buy or sell. In other words, you couldn't do commerce on the Sabbath. But you see, Jesus, he wasn't paid to heal. So he really technically did not break the Torah. He did not break the commandments of God. What he broke was he broke the traditions of the elders, those man-made laws put in by the religious leaders. So when Jesus heals this man, this man goes out proclaiming the good news, preaching the good news about what Jesus had done for him, right? This man was spreading the gospel, you can say, and that's what Jesus wants us to do, is follow this man's approach and praise him. Tell people about the kingdom of heaven. Tell people about the goodness of Jesus, right? We also see in Scripture that this man, he approaches God in the temple, right? When he heals, when he gets physically healed. So it shows that he's spiritually giving God the glory, God the honor. And he approached God for the first time in 38 years, right? And we left off last week in verse 17. And verse 17, if you remember, stated... But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am also working. So what Jesus was saying is this, that I'm God in the flesh. And, and what I'm doing here on the Sabbath is just a continuation of the work of the father, right? And, and they understood this, what he was saying. But they couldn't receive it. Why? Because of their religion. Because of their man-made rules, right? Another way to look at this scripture and its meaning is this, what if God stopped working on the Sabbath? Then nature would fall into chaos, right? And, and sin, what would sin do? Sin would overrun this world. And Jesus was explaining that when an opportunity to do good, in other words, to do God's work presents itself, that it should not be ignored even if it's on the Sabbath. See, to the Jewish leaders, they've seen a great miracle, right? They've seen a great healing. And they put this healing, this miracle, against their man-made rule. And what they did was they threw the miracle aside and they focused more of their attention on that broken rule. So to them, the rule was more important than the miracle, you can say, right? In other words, that their man-made rule was more important than what God was up to. So that being said, open up your Bibles to John chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 18. Let's just read verses 18 through 29. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling 
God as his father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only sees what the father is doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater work than those will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one but has given out judgment to the Son. That all honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him, who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So let's go back to verse 18. Verse 18 states this. That this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was also calling himself God, his own father, making himself equal with God. So you see, in their eyes, he broke the Sabbath. But according to their man-made rules, Jesus didn't break the Sabbath, right? Remember what I just said. He didn't get money for healing. He didn't do business. He didn't buy or sell anything. What he did was he healed. He did a miracle to reveal the truth of God. So he didn't break the commandments of God, right? If he'd have broke the commandments of God, then he, he couldn't be that sacrificial lamb that he was. Remember, Jesus had no spies, had no blood. He was perfect, right? But we also see that the scripture tells us this. It says, but he was willing, even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus made himself equal to God because he is God in the flesh. Remember the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Now this, they understood what Jesus was saying right here, but they couldn't accept this, right? The Pharisees believed that God created the heavens and the earth. And they believed that God was still active, not like the Sadducees. Remember, there's two religious groups in play here. There's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The, the, the Sadducees, they believed that God I totally left them. In other words, <clears throat> in other words, they thought God looked God to interact with man, you can say. So so they believe, well, you can say they did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels, they didn't believe in the prophets. That was the Sadducees. Now the Pharisees, on the other hand, they believed in angels. They believed in the afterlife. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in the prophets. But they believed in God's presence, right? That that was there, but he would only do what he was told by the Sanhedrin. In other words, this is their thinking, right? 
that the Sanhedrin would bind and it would be bound, right? In other words, what they said God would do. That's what I'm trying to tell you. In other words, their theology put them in control and God was their servant. That's what they believed. And when their control right here is being challenged, they couldn't accept that. Now, let me ask you a question, right? Can you accept when the control of your life is being challenged? Or are you willing to surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. If you go back up and you see the two words that says truly, truly, this simply means amen. This means to believe. Or it means also truth. So if you put all this together, we can say the words truly, truly simply mean amen. So in other words, we can believe the truth that this, this is correct. That's what he's saying here. I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. So this is showing us that Jesus didn't come to do his own will. You see, and the message for us is this, that we also need to follow what Jesus did. See, we're all called to always show obedience, to show allegiance to our Savior, to do His will, to do according to what His purposes and His plans are for our life. Continuing on with that scripture, the last half of that scripture says this, but only what He sees the Father do, for whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So once again, Jesus is saying that He's doing the Father's will, not doing His own will. He came to do what the Father is telling him to do. He's being obedient. So this shows a commitment to obedience, right? And it's only when we are allowing God to control us, the Spirit to control us, that we be obedient to God, that we submit to His plan, right? His will, His purposes that, that we have, that we're really going to be faithful servants is when we do this. So what the Scripture is teaching us is that when we're supposed to look at Jesus, and we're supposed to follow the Father's will just like Jesus did. We're supposed to follow Jesus and his obedience to the Father just like he did, right? And Jesus expects us, and God the Father expects us to, to do the same, just like Jesus did. Verse 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Look at that first text where it says, for the Father loves the Son. So this means that he's pleased. This means that he's, he, he likes what he sees, in other words, right? He likes what's going on, the obedience, doing his will. So we can say that this speaks about love. It speaks about a likeness, right? But why do I say that? Because in this case right here, Jesus is being so obedient to the Father, right, that the Father is well pleased with him. Which tells us that when we be obedient to God's word, to God's truth, when we're obedient to Jesus, that the Father is also well pleased with us. Amen. And this, continue on the text, and it shows him all that he himself is doing. So this speaks about revelation right here, right? You see, once we act in obedience in a consistent manner to God, in other words, we continue to be obedient to the truth of God, to the word of God, 
We seek in Him every morning throughout the day in prayer. We're spending time with Him, right? Oh, be consistent with this day in and day out. Then and only then will God start to reveal things to us, right? And this consists of His personal, I guess, purposes and purpose, his, the, the plans and, and things that He has in store for us for the kingdom of heaven to do here on earth, to do work on earth. Right? That's why he put us here. I say this quite often, right? He didn't put us here just for us to be robots. He didn't put us here, right? What he put us here for us, for us to be a difference for the kingdom of God, to bring people to Jesus, to bring people into the kingdom, right? You see, it's only when we act in faith, when we believe, when we trust, when we act in obedience, we continue to walk in the spirit, right? We can pray, we rely on him then God will lead us according to his purposes and his plans and his will, amen? And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. So what he's saying here is, is we all know in, in John chapter 5, Messiah did a great miracle, right? Remember, he took a man that was lame for 38 years, right? And he healed him. Now remember that person who was lame, this is a, a messianic symbol, you can say. See, because when Jesus tells this man to get up, he tells him rise, right? What he's saying is this. This is in reference to the resurrection. Both Jesus' resurrection and believers' resurrection. So in, in, in the Jewish culture, rabbis speak about those who were lame, right? But are now walking. They heal. This foreshadows the kingdom of God. But Jesus here is not just here to teach about the kingdom. Jesus is here to also to reveal kingdom truth to the people and to us as well. And, and one of the things that we see throughout this chapter, this gospel, right, and really throughout the book of John, is, is that we, we can see an emphasis on the reality of the kingdom of God. In other words, he can reveal kingdom truth to us. So this is what this verse means. That God will work through Jesus, not only to do miracles, but to teach about the kingdom of God, but to also teach about kingdom truth. Amen. Verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. So now we have a clear reference here, right? For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life. See, early in John chapter 5, Jesus causes this, this lame man to rise up. He says, take your mat and go. Leave. This foreshadows what he is speaking about right here. He's speaking about the resurrection. But also the resurrection of the dead. Right? Because once again, whenever we speak about the resurrection, there's something that we should keep in mind. And what is that? It's the kingdom of God. See, over and over in this chapter, in this book, it's going to emphasize the kingdom. Meaning we are supposed to be people that understand kingdom, but also kingdom truth. So that this, this is going to manifest the glory. It's going to manifest the power of God through us. So that other people, when they see us, they can be saved. They can come to the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, right? I always tell you, be the beacon of light in this dark world. 
where the beacon of light shines and it radiates out. And people, when they see you, they see Jesus. They know that you are in love with Jesus. They know that you are in love with the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And they can come to you and you can bring them to meet Jesus. And now they start walking in a path of righteousness, in a path of utter holiness. They become sanctified, right? They become a member of the family of God, amen? So this text is speaking about the resurrection and the redemption from God through Yeshua. Continuing on in the text, the text also tells us this. So also the Son gives life to whom he will. So now we're going to see a transition here, meaning a transition in God's work from God the Father, right? This will be given to his Son, Yeshua. And Jesus is going to carry this out. Yeshua is going to carry this out, right? This is all based or all, we studied this in the book of Daniel in chapter 7. In that chapter, we see that Messiah presents himself to his heavenly father. And he inherits, right? And likewise, we see in this passage of scripture here, we see that term, son. Why is that important? Because the son not only submits, but because he pleases the Father, we're going to find that this term, son, also represents heir, right? In other words, one who inherits. And this is describing Jesus. Because the son of that the concept of son of man, son of God, right? He's talking about Jesus here. So Messiah, he's going to inherit the role, we can say, of his heavenly father. And we know from our studies that he's going to be the one to carry out, in other words, judgment in the kingdom. He's going to rule over the kingdom. So this means that Jesus is the one that we can look to carry on the promises and the blessings of our Heavenly Father to us. Amen? So going back to the verse, we see right here it states this. So also the Son gives life to whom he will. So you see, if you're a wise person, you need to ask yourself this question. What can I do so that the Son, the Lord Yeshua, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right, will see me in the kingdom? In other words, he's going to see me rise at the rapture of the church. What can I do? Right? I need to live an obedient life to Christ. To God through his son, Jesus. I, I need to live a, a trustworthy life, a righteous life, believing in the word of God, believing in the truth, repenting of sins, right? Verse 22. For as the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. Now, we normally think that God judges us, but we see from this scripture right here that this isn't the case at all because Jesus is going to be our judge. But has given all judgment to the Son. The scripture tells us here, right? So we see a transition here from God the Father to His Son. Verse 23. And all they honor the Son just as they honor the Father. So now, this is very important because John is reverting back to the book of Daniel in chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7, we learn that the Ancient of Days, which represents God the Father, displays upon His Son. And all people and all nations worship the Son. So the scripture here is telling us that all people should honor Jesus just as they do 
God the Father. Continuing on in, in the scripture, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So the scripture is telling us right here that if you don't believe and you don't honor, you don't trust and you don't obey Jesus, then you really don't honor and obey, trust and believe in God the Father. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, remember, truly, truly simply means what? Amen. Believe it because it's true. That's what he's saying here. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him, who sent me has eternal life. Now, what does all this mean? See, we're talking once again. He says eternal life. So we're talking about eternal life. And eternal life should be understood as kingdom life to us, right? See, there is a kingdom. And talking about the kingdom of God and knowing there's the kingdom of God, two things should come to our mind. And those two things are this, the promises of God being realized and the blessings of God being fulfilled. Amen. These are the two things that cause us to do what? To worship, to honor, to praise him. You see, when we get to the kingdom of God, this is what we do. We worship God. We honor the Father. We praise the Father, right? See, it's a natural outcome of being in God's presence, we can say. It's a natural outcome of being the recipients of the promises and the blessings of God. Amen? Now, going back to the scripture, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. So we need to submit to the truth. We need to submit to the word of God. We need to submit to this Bible because this Bible is the truth. The Bible is the word of God. We need to submit to Jesus Christ, Yeshua. We need to believe in him. We need to have faith in him, right? The scriptures tell us that when a person does all of this, this person shall inherit eternal life. Amen. And that's our ultimate goal is the kingdom of heaven. Going back to the scripture, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So this means that we must follow the order, in other words, right? That we believe in God the Father. But we also believe that God the Father sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what do I mean by order? The Scripture is telling us here that we first must believe in Yeshua. We first must believe in Jesus Christ. Then after we believe in Jesus Christ, then God will accept you into His family. Amen? You see... There's a lot of Jews today. Most of the Jewish population know there's a God, know our Heavenly Father, and they believe in the Heavenly Father. But the majority of Jews today don't believe that Jesus, his son, was the Messiah. So what they do, they just pray and they believe in God. But the scripture is telling us right here that this is not good enough, that these people will not be saved. That's what the scripture is telling us, right? That one must first believe in Yeshua. His son. And if you do that, then God the Father accepts you into the family of God. You're going to have a part. You're going to have a place in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God. Remember what John 14, 6 tells us. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but what? Through me, he's saying, right? So notice the order. In order to be saved, you must believe first in Jesus. Because he is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to the kingdom of heaven. So we need to respond to the truth of God. In other words, this is telling us that all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, Yeshua, shall be saved. Amen. Verse 25. Truly, truly, says it again. I say to you, an hour is coming. 
and is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. Now here's what's important right here, right? It, it, it isn't the voice of God the Father. That's not what the scripture tells us here. It's the voice. Look what it says. Look what the scripture says. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, Yeshua. So biblically speaking, it is only those who have the expectation of Messiah, right? Those who believe in Messiah as our Savior, as our Lord of Lord, as our King of Kings, right? That God the Father sent him into this world to do a job. And if you believe in that, if you believe in him that he rose from the dead on the third day, that eternal life is yours in the kingdom of heaven. So the scripture is saying that those who are dead, meaning lost, meaning sinners, meaning unbelievers, right? See, we all sinners. We all separate ourselves from God at some point. But what draws us back? to God. What draws us back to the kingdom of heaven is repentance. It's accepting his son Jesus, right? And those who do this, that's what the scripture is telling us right here, will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 26 and verse 27 states this, for as the father has life in himself, so has he granted the son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of Man. So what we see in verses 26 and 27, we see that God the Father has given all authority to Jesus as his only begotten son to rule, to be our savior, to be the judge. So Jesus is the one who's going to determine who's going to be in the kingdom of God and, and who's going to be in hell, who's going to be in the lake of fire. Verse 28, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs were here. His voice. This is speaking about the rapture of the church here, right? And verse 29 says this, last verse for today. And they all come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So again, this is speaking of the rapture here, right? The believers, the righteousness. If you go to the book of Daniel in chapter 12, Daniel speaks about two resurrections. There's a resurrection for the righteous, as said the rapture of the church, and there's a resurrection for the unrighteous that's going to happen right at the very end. You see, when Jesus comes back, when the trumpet blows, right, the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ, the believers that have died, their bodies in the grave. Now, their spirit is up in heaven if they're a believer, right? But when the trumpet blows, their body that's in the grave might be ashes, dust, whatever it is. That's going to turn back into a body, rise out the grave, and that spirit's going to come down from heaven, and the spirit and the body meet as one. That's believers. That happens at the rapture of the church. But the scripture also talks about the resurrection of the dead, evil, unrighteousness, right? You see, scripture tells us all of us will be resurrected at some point. You're either going to be resurrected at the rapture of the church, the righteousness, the holiness, 
and you're going to go into the eternal kingdom of heaven? Or you're going to be raised up at the very end, right before the new heaven and the new earth is pulled down? And what Jesus is going to do at the great white throne judgment, that's when unbelievers will be resurrected and you're going to face judgment. If you're a believer, you're going to still face judgment, but you're going to face judgment what's called the Bema Seat of God. <clears throat> That's at the wedding feast. That happens during the tribulation period when the righteous people are up in heaven with God and seven years of great tribulation comes upon this earth. So we all face judgment. What's what the scripture tells us, right? The saved will go before the Bema Seat of God. You will be judged according to your works. Now remember, works doesn't save you. But you, you do good works. What saves you is Jesus Christ, having faith in him, believing him, committing to him, the Bible tells us. But when you become a believer in Christ, then you start taking on the characteristics of Jesus. You take on the attributes of Jesus. So what happens is you start performing good works here on earth when you're alive. And that determines the rewards you get in heaven. And the rewards is a crown that you're going to pl place back at the feet of Jesus, right? Because it's for his glory and his honor. And he deserves all praise. Amen. See, the scripture tells us that everybody will face a resurrection. And if you do good, if you're a believer, you do great works. You're going to be rewarded the kingdom of heaven. And you're going to be rewarded crowns to place back at the feet of Jesus. But if you're not a believer. And you're considered unrighteous, but you're still going to face Jesus at the white throne judgment at the very end. See, the scripture tells us that all, everybody will bow. Everybody will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord of Lords, that Jesus is King of Kings, right? See, once this is done with the unrighteous, and those unrighteous people at the end, you're going to confess and you're going to bow. Even though you said that you never would, you will, the scripture tells us. Then you're going to be cast into the lake of fire, which is hell. So we see right here in scripture. The scripture tells us there's only two destinations for us as humans. And that's heaven or hell. Jesus is giving us two destinations. And Jesus is saying... <clears throat> Choose wisely because I want you in the kingdom of God. But we also know from scripture that there's two roads. There's a broad and a narrow. And Jesus tells us in scripture that very few will be on that narrow road that leads to the narrow gate that leads to the eternal kingdom of heaven. But many, many, he says, will be on that broad road that leads to that wide open gate that leads to destruction. And that destruction is hell. So Jesus is saying, you today, who do you choose? Do you choose the world controlled by Satan? Or do you, do you choose Jesus, the Son of God, who gives you eternal life in the eternal kingdom of heaven? Jesus says, choose wisely, choose me. Amen? Until next week, we appreciate you all tuning in. We'll be back next week. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John. Be a beacon of light for someone this week. Lead people to Jesus. Lead people to the eternal kingdom of heaven. Because that's what we're called to do as great disciples of Jesus, Yeshua. Till next week, we love you guys. 
God bless.